Welcome into Defeating the Curse. It is Thursday, and it seems like there's a there's a trend here, LP. Thursdays before game day, before the Redskins kick off, uh, is I'm just seeing a pattern here. We get on and we end up talking a little bit about the week that was in practice. Training camp is now over. The the three day slugfest with the Jets is done. That what a waste of time. But they take the field, you know, here, I think, uh, what, in a, about an hour or two. So, well, let's call this a pseudo preview slash training camp recap show. Um, you know, let's just start from what do you expect to see tonight out of this team? I'll be honest, you know, and I'll maybe steal the, the spotlight here for just a second. I'm not expecting anything. And, you know, the more I've thought about the question that I asked you in FP last week about why preseason is structured the way it is and why coaches play their guys more uh, you know, up front as opposed to the back end. I, I'm I'm going full circle on this, man. Like, I think the the preseason is actually really important because you got to figure out who you got on your roster. But the starters should never touch the field. Um, and Tony Dungy did a fantastic interview this morning with the Sports Junkies and was talking about how in his day, you know, the starters would be out there for you know a quarter, a full quarter or two in every single game, and then by the fourth game. They were playing the entire game in preparation for week one. I think that was a different era. I know that was a different era. Things have changed. I mean, players have gotten bigger, faster, stronger, smarter as well, I would say. I think the game has evolved. So I don't think that's necessary. But if I'm coach, someone explain to me. Maybe you got an answer for me. I don't know. Uh, why wouldn't you just play your guys like the final quarter of the final game as opposed to what we do now uh, obviously we lost dg for the season hopefully no more injuries uh no more injuries tonight uh but i mean i know there's a lot to unpack here but let's start with just training camp being over the jets come to town we can talk about terrell Pryor and the flinch we can talk about how good the secondaries look we can talk about skandrick getting cut when the redskins couldn't find someone to trade him to so wherever you want to start's fine with me but i'll be honest man i want to start and end with the importance of preseason games if there is any, and why we do what we do the way we do it, and why not, you know, kind of go back to the drawing board and figure out if there's a better way to protect our stars and starters throughout the league. So wherever you want to go, I'm game. Let's do it. I think there's an interesting twist in this preseason, whether a starter should play or not, right? So what we saw Gruden do this week is three days of practice with the Jets, and then a game with the Jets where I don't think a single offensive starter is going to be playing tonight. Um, and, you know, it's still a little bit early, but all signs are pointing to Alex Smith sitting, Trent Williams sitting, Morgan Moses sitting, the whole line sitting. And then, you know, why trot out someone like Jordan Reed, who's got an injury history, or Josh Stockson, who's always got an ankle or a, a heel or a hamstring or whatever injury that it is of the week. So, you know, if you're already putting in three days worth of work, you know, with another team going, you know, maybe not full speed, but maybe, you know, 75% speed. Um, you know, I don't see what the point of playing in practice. And then we also heard uh, the Alex Smith um, media scrum a couple days ago while uh, in Richmond where he said at the Jets uh, practice, um, that the joint practices, he, they were opening up the playbook and that in a preseason game you'd be playing vanilla offense versus vanilla defense, but in a closed environment where they had practice with the Jets, he was able to open up the playbook. So I don't see the purpose of playing him in a preseason game if you've already done that for three days this week. But So you know, you're, you're right. Do you think we're going to see vanilla tonight? I don't think we will. I think we're actually going to see something because we've had vanilla the entire week. I think this is actually an opportunity maybe to actually maybe maybe see what happens with page three or four of your playbook. 
Uh, I mean, it, it's preseason, and you're tipping your hand at that point. So I don't think you'll see the full playbook. You may see a little bit more than you saw in week one. Um, but, you know, why, why tip your hand of, of what you can do in, in the preseason or in you know, the regular season, um, especially if your starters are not out there? Now, I do think the defensive starters are slated to start. I think all four linebackers, outside linebackers are playing. I think um, Swearinger's playing. I think uh, Josh Norman's playing. Now, these, these guys are probably playing for a series or two, but I guess it's good for them to get some work. But ultimately, I, I stick by what I said in the last podcast is the NFL is different today, and the NFL is about um, not about the, the starting 11 on each side of the ball and special teams, but it's more about depth now. And we saw that with you know Minnesota last year with uh, Dalvin Cook going down, and we saw you know every year some some stud goes down on a team, and you know how they react to that injury really sets the you know the the tone for the season. Okay, so all right, let's park that one. Let's put a pin in that one. I, I tend to agree with what you have to say. Uh, let let's switch gears here. Do you think we'll see Terrell Pryor take the field for the Jets? Uh, isn't he injured? I don't know. You practiced all week. It, yeah, but I mean, no, I mean his coach. When, his when coach DJ, told uh, him. Oh, I know. We'll get to that. But <laughs> his coach told him to stop talking to the media. Basically, stop doing the workout videos with real wide receivers like Antonio Brown. Stop doing. Stop talking to the media. Stop telling them you're injured. Stop updating them constantly on what's uh, ailing you or not ailing you. I actually think. Uh, I think. Uh, uh, what's his face? Bowles is going to roll him out there. I think he will. Uh, maybe a play or two. Um, but I mean, this guy. You know, you go back in time a, a year. You guys were killing me because I wasn't on the prior hype train, and even even you know, I started to turn towards the end of of, uh, of training camp, saying, "Okay, well, he's huge and he's fast and he has the IQ of a quarterback, and he he made the successful switch and he he caught, you know, he ran or he caught and ran or whatever. He had a thousand yards as a receiver with the with the Cleveland Browns with uh, whoever was passing him the ball. You know, I started to turn, but I'll I'll tell you." Watching him in training camp uh, or at this joint practice on specifically on on Monday Tuesday, he was terrible. He's terrible. He's really bad. I'd rather have an actual receiver than a guy uh, like him who's. He just seems like a kind of a nutcase, kind of. Even though I, I respect that he's you know trying to learn the position and 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 frankly he's much better at it than many other players because he keeps getting picked up by teams. But uh, I mean what. You know, it's hard to say what could have been, but do you think he's got a, a, a true long-term career or even a couple more seasons as a wide receiver in the NFL? I, I give it to you, and I agree that, you know, I give it to him that he's at least trying, but he can't catch a ball for, for anything. I, I'm, I'm shocked on how he had, like, a 1,000 yards with the Browns two seasons ago. Um, this guy, I mean, every ball is hitting him in the hands, and every ball ends up on the floor. Um, he's just—he's so raw. Can he put it together? I, I think he was on track of putting it together, you know, starting with the Browns. But I think he took a step back last year. I think, you know, mentally, I'm not sure if he's in a good spot. If he really has the confidence to be able to become a wide receiver in the NFL, I don't—I wouldn't put my—I wouldn't put—I wouldn't put all my chips on that one. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to either. Uh, let's let's switch gears. Here. Let's talk about the skins a little bit. Last week they go up 17-3 in the first half. Uh, with the combination of the the first team and the second stream, uh, the second teamers minus Alex Smith, the, you know, 259 or so. I think exactly 259 yards. I'm looking at it. 259, uh, 17 to three, and looked pretty good against the Patriots. Now we know the wheels came off in the second half, um, and that's okay. Do you expect 
to see, what do you expect to see out of the the first and second teamers tonight? I, I agree with you. I don't think we're going to get the majority of the first teamers. I think we're going to see maybe one or two series out of the second. And the way preseason is set up right now, it tends to be a lot of evaluate. Like this is the evaluation game, right? The 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 second and third preseason game tend to be where where they evaluate the depth on the on the roster, and then the fourth really is like the reach game. That that's the one where people are, you know, basically trying to make their uh, the players are trying to get their mixtape together. You know, something that they can actually record and show. Um, you know, that's when you're assessing your your extra extra depth with training squad. So, uh, with the sorry with the practice squad. So I'm I'm curious what they roll with tonight. Uh, I'm also really curious to see which running back takes that first snap. Do you have a Do you have a thought again? You know, to that who which running back do you think leads the pack tonight? Yeah, that that's a good point. I was going to say there's two positions on this team that I'm really closely watching on offense tonight. And one was a wide receiver and the other was running back. I think that if the first team offense is not playing, I think you see Rob Kelly not play as well. I think he comes into week one as the starter. I think Samaje is as number two. And then the Byron Marshall, Capri Bibbs as three and four. I'm very intrigued to see what Capri Bibbs can do. He did, um, he did put, he put in some work last week uh, in the fourth quarter. So let's see if he can do something um, playing against, you know, second or third teamers and kind of take it from there. But I'm really interested to see, you know, who's going to really take the reins of that running back. I think it's an open race right now. I don't think you go out, out of the building to, to find a replacement for Darius Geis. Uh, I think you have four, you know, potential options at running back. And I think um, I think they're going to they're going to stick to, you know, four or five on the roster. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see five. Um, with Bibbs and Byron Marshall both making the roster, uh, just because. Well, I guess five, it really depends. Five right? is a lot. That's a lot. You're usually going with four, right? But then you know you're also. It depends on who can play special teams and things like that. But if Capri Bibbs comes out today and puts on a show, you can't cut him because he'll get picked up by another team instantaneously, right? There's going to be other injuries to running backs in the league in the next three weeks that someone's going to want to pick him up. So. I agree with you. Marshall is the is the converted wide receiver. Is that right? That is right. Yeah. So I, I don't know how you don't go with a guy like that who can basically play the slot or played the slot the the majority of his amateur and uh, his amateur career who happens to be a, a freaking just brick house who can also run the ball. So I, I think he's actually pretty much locked to make this roster uh, because you you can't risk losing him. Um, but let's switch gears. If here. you look at the stature of, of Capri Bibbs, Byron Marshall, and Rob Kelly, they're all very similar. So, you know, everyone talks about Capri Bibbs and Byron Marshall being the, the type of running back that's going to replace Chris Thompson when he's out. I'm not sure about that. He's got the same physical uh, body style as, as like a fat Rob or now not so fat Rob. Uh, yeah, less fat Rob. What do you make of the, uh, what do you make of Skandrick getting, uh, getting cut basically they couldn't they couldn't trade him it was a well-kept or not well-kept secret that they were trying to he didn't fit well with this roster he tried to do the whole like i'm orlando skandrick bit and jay gruden wasn't having any of it and the other dbs really didn't care either uh, so what do you make of this i mean just a misstep or something more no i i credit the, the redskins organization for cutting him this early in previous years you'd see the redskins uh, trot him out there and try to prove to the world that he was worth, you know, whatever the two years, $10 million contract that he got. The Redskins decided, you know what, this is not working. He's not meshing with our cornerbacks. He's not meshing with our coaches. 
He's fighting with Torian Gray, the defensive backs coach. Let's go ahead and cut him, and we'll work with what we have. And if we find something in free or in someone get, that gets cut in preseason, we'll take our chances there. And I actually like the move because I, I don't see a 34-year-old or 32-year-old or whatever, however old he is, hurt every season Orlando Skandrick helping this team. I'd rather see a Fabian Moreau get the starting nod at, um, at slot. Or we saw what Josh Stroman did last week in preseason, Adonis Alexander. There's a, there's a handful of guys that can step into that role. So, And frankly, to be honest, if you have a defensive line with Jonathan Allen, Jerron Payne, Tim Settle, Matt Ayanna, yeah, all these deep, guys, deep do you big. really need an Orlando Skandrick at slot? Uh, like you're, you're putting pressure not. on the quarterback a lot sooner than we, what we've seen in previous years. Well, if he was that expendable, then you would got to think, you know, I'd rather have a guy like Vontae Diggs be the fifth, uh, the fifth linebacker on the roster than Skandrick, who, I mean, if there's no value for him, there's no value for him. And I, I'm with you. I won't credit the Redskins for cutting a guy because, you know, then we got to kill him for bringing him in to begin with. Um, and they, apparently they keep talking to, uh, they keep reaching out to Antonio Rogers Cromartie to see if he's interested in, in uh, playing, um, and Brashad Breland, yeah. Breland is still a free agent as well, if I'm not mistaken. I don't believe he was signed by anybody. I don't. Think I know so. he, he had visits to the Patriots, to the Niners, a couple other teams, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not uh, suggesting uh, that they're JP bringing back. JP Finley's been reporting that DRC. They're still in communications with DRC uh, up until like last week. So um, you know, maybe if the price is right, they'll get it there. But they do get a little. I think it's just a five hundred thousand dollar cap hit for cutting him. So from a cap perspective, it's a no brainer. Um, from the it's fit amazing how we talk it about it seems like it's a no brainer. It's amazing, 500k. <laughs> that's uh, that's several years of work, but okay, if you say so. I mean, he earned well, that. Not the, if you're Dan Snyder. That's oh, yeah, that's like, true. Uh, that's true. What, that's true. Two seats at uh, FedEx Field. Let's talk about wide receivers here. Trey Quinn, Brian Quick, uh, uh, Sims. What's his first name? Um, Cam Sims. Cam uh, Sims. You know anything you expect to see out of that that group tonight? You know, I'm interested to see what Cam Sims team. can do. Okay. He had a good game last week, um, and you know, as of now, he's probably on the outside looking in. So if he can make a change there, Trey Quinn had the injury. I don't know if he's going to be playing tonight. Uh, I think Mo Harris is already rolled out, so there's a spot open there. So yeah, that's another uh, position battle that's going to be really interesting to see who comes out of it. Yeah, I'll tell you that you know the one that's more interesting to me, to be honest, is the backup linebacker, the number two, uh, or that 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 uh, weak side linebacker. You got uh, Sean Deon Hamilton. We talked about him on the last podcast. Uh, Martel Spate, yeah, and and uh, there's I think there's one other guy vying for that spot, but um, you know Hamilton is just Hamilton's a beast, man. This is a guy that that probably should have been drafted if not for injury, and I hate saying that, but not for injury. He's probably a second round pick, maybe maybe even sneaks into the top uh, the top thirty. So. Um, it's just interesting to see what they're doing at, at that position in general. And, and you know, barring injury or, you know, complete chaos and craziness like they had last year, they should be really good at linebacker. I mean, we're talking about big boys on the top line and a really good line behind them as far as the core linebackers go. Yeah. That's, could you imagine that the strength of this Redskins team is now defense? Like, I, If I would have told you that one year ago, what would you have said? I well, I mean, a year ago we were we were riding pretty high with the Ryan Anderson and uh, and the the other rookies that we had coming in and and Zach Brown. You know, I I think I would have believed you, but having the season we had last year, 
No, I'm, I'm super encouraged by what I'm seeing right now. I mean, these are big guys, and that's the part. You know, we, the veterans on the defensive line in particular are going to be the guys that come in to spell the young guys. We haven't been in that position for as long as I can remember. I mean, they are so young at both the uh, at D-line and at linebacker that it's really exciting. And even even defensive back, I mean, you think back to, like, the last time that we had a, uh, a secondary that was this young, uh, I think Sean Springs was, like, the grizzled veteran, and he had a guy named Carlos Rogers playing opposite him and a guy named Sean Taylor playing in the middle. So, uh, like, it's possible to have uh, young guys do well. It requires finesse, it requires work, obviously, and it requires somebody calling out, where you need to be. And I'm personally, as far as the DBs go, I think Josh Norman has that Sean Springs thing in him where he can yell from one end of the, you know, one side of the field to the other to make sure that the package and the uh, the coverages are correct. I think, and definitely Swearinger has it. So I don't think age here is a negative. Um, but to your point, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm buying, I'm, I'm drinking all the Kool-Aid when it comes to the, this defensive unit. I, I love it. Every, every single position. I wish we had Kendall Fuller, but, we move on, and and why not? Right, and and you have like three or four guys who are, are one or two years out of college who have a lot of upside to replace that Kendall Fuller. Oh, of course, of course, and they're hungry and they want it. So those are all like those are not bad things to have guys that want to be here. Like I'd rather have that guy than the Orlando Scandrick type who's like I earned it and this and that. Well, not really, right? It's kind of like the Des Bryant's uh, conundrum right now. Like, do you want this guy on your roster or not? Like, he hasn't been a great receiver, I would argue, maybe ever in his career. He's made some great catches, but he hasn't been a consistent receiver. He's got a little circus to him as well. I'm not really sure what you do with with a guy like him who's sitting out there. I mean, the Skins could use wide receiver help, but I, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know if I want him oh, on no. this team. I will. I will gladly pass on that one. Yeah, and I'm and I'm not. I'm not suggesting that they should go grab him, but I mean, there's. You, you look at the team that he's the front runner with, right? I don't know how much hard knocks you're watching, but you know, on paper, he's on, he's actually a nice little fit if he's willing to take a slot role, possession receiver type role, uh, and also assuming, of course, Josh Gordon's going to play. Uh, you know, Gordon on one side, Landry on the other, and a big body like Dez that can do uh, X, Y, or Z routes. I mean, that's a. I mean, you guys know how I feel about the Browns roster, so I'm not going to. The problem is someone's got to throw those guys the ball, and they don't have that on the roster right now. Well, they also got a. I'm blanking on the name of the um, the tight end in Cleveland, the big big guy. Um, I'll look it up real quick. I mean, if 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 anybody on that roster is average, and Tyrod is an, a slightly smidge above average quarterback in my opinion, I think he's top fifteen, not bottom fifteen, um, or maybe he's right at fifteen, sixteen, somewhere in that range. That's. I mean, why not? I mean, he's got I, I think a lot he's of. He's a little targets. lower than that. Who did they draft this year? What do you mean? Who do they draft? Uh, for quarterback, uh, Mayfield. Oh yeah, right, Baker Mayfield. Uh, what week does does he start taking over? Because Tyrod's <laughs> yeah. not the guy. Uh, I I'm not sure. I mean, I think right now they got Stanton penciled in at two, but uh, right behind him. But um, Joku is the name of the tight end. Uh, David Joku, big guy, six four, two forty six. Um, you know, second season out of Miami. He's, I mean, you look at this, and I, I don't, I don't know why. We might as well be a Browns podcast at this point, but uh, they have so much depth at at all the receiving skill positions that, um, then that doesn't even count factor in guys like Duke Johnson who catches the ball great out of the back. 
um, and Carlos Hyde running the ball. Like, there's a lot. There's a lot. Uh, all right, I'm done with the. Browns. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Any final words, predictions for tonight's Redskins Jets? Are you predicting a win? I don't. I don't watch wins and losses in preseason. I watch for individual players and who can stand out and who can step up. Um, so I, I could really care less about the score. Do you want to talk about Wayne Rooney and the performance? I would love to he, talk about Wayne Rooney. Okay, let's talk about that him for a few minutes. Has here. been ridiculous. The slide on Sunday, the two goals yesterday. Uh, what is it? It's like four goals or uh, four goals in three games or something, something like that. Maybe three goals in four games. But he's really flipped this DC United script for the season. Just as of yesterday, they were sitting in last place uh, in the Eastern Conference Division. I think they moved up three or four spots already. So. Good well, for I mean, him, man. Good breaks. for DC I mean, United for going out to get him, man. They're they're sitting in eighth. I mean, they got a long way to go to uh, not stink at the moment. But you just got to get to six, and then you know, if DC United makes the playoffs this year after being last for three fourths of the year, that's a win. Well, to be fair, to be fair, and and for the few diehard MLS fans out there, they're currently sitting at six wins, six draws, and nine losses. The the team that they're chasing. You know the two teams ahead of them are seven, eight, and eight, and nine, three, and thirteen. The Impact have thirteen losses and a goal differential of minus ten. So, it's what's the what's the point differential? It's like uh, they're at like twenty four, and the twenty four is at like thirty. Correct. So, so it's, so but, it's the two games. Two well, game swing. fifth, fifth, sixth, and seventh are thirty, thirty, twenty nine. Uh, so it's it's doable. I mean, it's definitely doable, and I think they get. I think they have a couple of head-to-heads with some teams that they need to beat anyway. But There's I mean, still a lot doable. of the season left too. Yeah, right. it's doable. But I don't they got Rooney at the halfway mark. So I don't want to. I mean, if he I'm, can turn a franchise around in half of an MLS season, good for him. Well, and to, and they beat. I mean, the 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 dramatic fashion that they beat uh, Orlando City with. I mean, the the run back, the slide. The the recovery, like you don't let the ball go out of bounds. He's actually, it was a forty yard cross. <laughs> it, yes, on the money and the celebration with the fans. Everything about that was amazing. Um, but then to beat Portland, you know, Portland's not a very good team, but they're not a terrible Port- team. No, Port- Portland's doing uh, pretty well this season. I mean, they're mid table in the West. They're they're sitting yeah. actually they're bottom. They're they're sitting in, or mid table. They're at five with thirty seven points. But I mean, it's a team with some winning pedigree in a league that you know there's aren't many teams that have anything that regards that but i mean you look at this mls season and you look at atlanta united sitting on top of, on the top of the uh of the entire league one year in existence seventy thousand people at every home game uh and you think to yourself well can dc united grab just a little bit of that and right now the answer is yes i mean wayne rooney is putting is putting butts in the seats and he's he's actually playing really well he's playing really well in 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 limited minutes uh, they may just made a change at goalie yesterday with Bill Hamid coming back. So. Bill Hamid is terrible. I, you got to get off the Bill Hamid thing, okay? Uh, uh, he's better than Ostad or whatever his name was. They, so. they should roll with Steve Clark or one of these super young guys. Uh, Bill Hamid is five thousand years old. He's a retread. He's actually—he's got to be—he's got to be still in his upper twenties. He's twenty-nine. 20, I'm looking at it. He's twenty-seven. Twenty-seven years old. How was that old? Uh, he just—he just plays old. He's old. He's, yeah, he just plays old. I don't—I don't know how to describe it. But he's a well, local boy, right? He's Annandale, Virginia. Yes. Um, you know, so yeah. Welcome back, Bill. I, uh, I and, my mind. and the thing is, you got to understand that the MLS is what it is, right? It's never going to be a top tier league. But you know, for the people who are complaining about Wayne Rooney's over is over his, uh, you know, his prime. Yeah, he is. But that's what we get in the in the MLS and. You know, frankly, I like it. 
Um, I, I went to game last season, 50 people total watching the game. You know, this game, this season, all the, all the seats are sold out. New stadium, stadiums, it's pretty nice, good atmosphere. They, they didn't think about the sun when they built the stadium, but other than that, everything's perfect there. Yeah, they took a page out of uh, out of the San Francisco 49ers uh, uh, playbook there, building, building a stadium that's in direct sunlight all the time that the players can't see half the field. So, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's good for MLS anytime one of these guys comes over. Like, I understand... And I think you do too. Maybe the casual, like uh, the Steves and FPs of the world, probably don't get this. But when a guy like Beckham comes over, who's still got something in the tank, and gives the the league like six or what is it, four and a half, five solid seasons, and then leaves and goes <laughs> goes back to Europe to win. Uh, yeah, I think he he went to PSG or where you go to Milan. He went somewhere to to win yet another um, domestic title. Like, that's what the league needs. I mean, for every one of those, however, there's like a handful of the Steven Gerrards, Andre Pirlo types that come in. I mean, Andre Pirlo's still playing great for MLS standards, but he's not what he was. Beckham, when he came, was still pretty much the same guy. Long balls in, free kicks uh, on the money, and you see it a little bit now with Lawton as well. That's a guy who's still got some actual, like, he's got something in the tank, and he chose to come here. And I think, I think, and, and Dan... Uh, is with me on this, and we talked about it on one of the the World Cup shows. I think Ronaldo's not. I don't think CR7 is going to be four years um, at uh, in Turin with Juventus. I think he's going to do two and then leave. And I think he's going to come to the states. Like there isn't anything left to conquer in Europe. He's all about his brand. Why wouldn't he come to the states? And if you get a guy like that, I mean that's uh, that's a game changer. Right. So and it's a lock that if he does come to the states, it'll be somewhere in LA. Yeah, I would imagine so. I, I don't think Montreal is going to lure him. Um, it's got to be L.A. I mean, D.C. is still small time by comparison to what they got out in L.A. I mean, right. that's where the movie stars are. Perfect LA, weather all year, blah, blah, blah. No, New York is kind of crappy, actually. And, um, I, I mean, if you had your pick, would you go to L.A. or New York? Oh, there wouldn't be a question. Yeah, so exactly. It's L.A. all the way. Yep. Yeah. All right, but either man. way, it's great for D.C. United. It's great for the MLS. It's it's great for Washington D.C. in general to have a new stadium, to have a team that's got some hype. Um, I mean, just you know, follow D.C. United on Twitter. Yo, anything is better than watching the Nats lose night in and night out. I can't watch it anymore. I can't. Yeah, or or blow a, a, a lead in the eighth inning or yeah. the ninth. It's, At this point, if they want to make the playoffs, they if they want to make the playoffs, they're basically gonna have to play like ninety ball. They're gonna have to go like. I think the math it was like thirty five and four or thirty five and five the rest of the way. It's yeah. over. It's, it's over. done. Yeah, it's, it's done. Over. But we'll save that for the uh, for the baseball boys. Uh, for those that are listening and care about college football, Monday night, mark your calendars. Next Monday night, eight twenty, we will be recording a college football preview show, going in depth on Virginia Tech football, Wahoo football, some Miami football, some Ohio State football. We'll talk about Urban Meyer. We'll talk about the mess at UMD. Um, A lot of stuff on that podcast. It'll be an extended podcast, probably 45 minutes to an hour, maybe even two parts. So if you love college football, you can send in questions or make sure you grab and tune into the show. It'll be posted at some point on early Tuesday morning. Enjoy it and share it with anyone else who cares about college football. Uh, For LPFP, myself, and Stevie, there's some Nat stuff coming and of course a whole lot more Redskins coverage as well. Thank you for listening. 
For LP, my name is Joe. Have a great night. Go Redskins, HTTR. Until next time, we are out.